Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people and how they do their thing, how they hang in there is what I love to talk about. It's my lane, as they say. You got to stay in your lane. Um, today, my guest is Todd Masterson. He is a stand-up comic uh, and a writer who I worked with on Fashion Police, who has started doing something really fun on Instagram, and it's catching on like wildfire. He has an account called Gay Fat Friend, where he photoshops himself into pictures of hot gay guys on Instagram, and then writes really hilarious captions to go with it. It's super smart and subversive and funny and awesome. So uh, I was so excited to talk to Todd about that. But before we get to that, I want to mention that You Don't Know My Life is on sale on Amazon for twenty nine ninety nine. But it's going to go back up to $31.99 soon. So now's the time to grab it if you haven't already. Also, I've really stepped up the You Don't Know My Life Instagram account. Um, I've started using a program that makes it really easy and fun to do. So if you uh, want to follow that account on Instagram, it's really fun. Uh, I also want to mention my website, DennisAnyone.net. There you can see stuff about my books and other stuff that's going on and things I've worked on. Also, you can donate to my virtual tip jar if, if you want to kick in a few shekels to help me uh, pay for the expenses that come with the podcast. Um, I always appreciate that. And you can email me, all that stuff, at DennisAnyone.net. All right, that's enough. Plugs for this week. Here is Todd Masterson. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the lovely and fun home of our guest today, Todd Masterson. We're in Los Angeles. We're kind of by the Grove. Yep. Kind of by WeHo. Uh-huh. Where do you love to walk to? Um... Uh, I would say the best place to walk is the Grove, just yeah. for like people watching, and there's a Starbucks there. <laughs> like you know, you do uh, it. I mean, CBS is across the street, so we could go to the Prices Right if we want. I did that for the first time this year. Oh, and, really? Yeah, I talked about it on this podcast. The takeaway is it's so loud and crazy uh-huh. that even if you were good at pricing and stuff, you can't hear what's going on. It's nerve wracking. You can't hear anything. So they would be, like, "You're good bidding on it." What? I don't know what he just said. <laughs> Everyone's screaming the whole time. So, you, did you go up? No. Oh, okay. No, but I, I I can imagine the people in the front row, the contestants row, not being able to hear what the person two two yeah. persons over said. Well, and it's a really tiny space. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it really um it looks bigger on TV. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it really like But it was really fun to um to see how the sausage was made and I had <laughs> yeah. been watching that show since I was a kid. Whole life. And so yeah, that was a, that was an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a stand up comedian. I am. And I know you because we worked together on Fashion Police we uh, did. as writers. Yeah. And but you've started something recently <laughs> that I think is so inspired and I've thought of I've 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 seen these pictures and observed them and had feelings about them, but you were able to take those feelings and make something fun out of it. So it's it's an Instagram feed and account called Gay Fat Friend. Uh-huh. And tell the listeners the premise of the of the feed. What do you do? Uh, okay, so uh, what I do is I take uh, Insta Gay thirst trap pictures from right. like you know big famous sexy men accounts from West Hollywood. Right. And I take their pictures and then I Photoshop. I take my shirt off. I take my picture and then I Photoshop myself into their picture. To see what it would look like if they had a gay fat friend, because right. none of them ever do. None of them ever do. And I, I remember saying, seeing some pictures, and I'm like, oh, their fat friend must have taken the picture. <laughs> like, this idea that they would have them. Because yeah. what I also love about it, the captions are so guileless. They're just fun. <laughs> everything's fun. Everything's great. So whatever point you're making, socio-politically or whatever, mm-hmm. is all subtext. It's never... 
in the text, which I love, yeah. which I think the text is just about celebrating fun and friendship. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I never want to be mean. I never want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't hate these people. No. You know, I want to be their friend. Right. Uh, they just don't have any friends that look like me. Um, and they never would. Ever. And that, I mean, you don't have to say that, but I feel like that is true. I yeah. feel like if one of them put on 20 pounds, the others would get together and say, we need to have a talk about I, this. Um, I get a ton of DMs. And yes, I want to know what people think of what what it's, what they say. It's so crazy. It, I started it as just like a little joke, and it has blossomed and developed into this huge thing that goes in a million different directions. And you were just getting, gotten written up in, is it New uh, Now Next? New Now Next and Logo just yeah, did an article. That was really fun. Um, but I will get... It's funny, I almost call them like spies. I will get guys from those friend circles. Right. And they will DM me and they're like, you know, please don't please don't tell anyone I told you this, blah, 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 blah. And they'll tell me secrets about their friend groups and stuff right. like that. And I just saw The Insider with Russell Crowe, that movie where he's telling about the tobacco industry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you like have moles on the <laughs> yeah. inside of reaching of, out. Of thoughtiness. Um, but yeah, like one guy told me that their friend group they uh, measure their body fat in front of They have weigh-ins. Yeah, they have weigh-ins at parties and measure their body fat. And it's like a, it's it's almost like like when like mountain men do shot contests and see who can take the most shots. Yeah. They have contests to see who can get the lowest body percentage to, to an un unhealthy extent. You yeah. Know? Right. Like they're probably going to die if they keep right. doing this because they're trying to get the lowest number on the scale or whatever. And um, some of them are clearly starving, you know? Yeah. I'm like, please eat some food. You're dying. So that guy would reach out to you and say, listen, this is something that happens. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then yeah. do you respond back? And Oh, yeah. I try to respond to every comment um, and every DM. Uh, I've definitely gotten some some mean ones, some weird ones. Like um, a couple people that are clearly like, you know, scorned exes have sent me their nudes. Like just they're like, here's scorned. what... Scorned exes of the hotties. Of the hot guys. Sending you the nudes of the hotties. Yeah, which I'm like, I think technically that's illegal. Like, right. I don't respond to those. There are, there um, are, wow. But yeah, so they're like, you know, here's their nudes. Here's what they look like naked, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I didn't ask for this at right. all. Like, yeah. not one bit. Um, and in the comments, a lot of people will be, you know, really mean and call them stupid and call them names and stuff. Right. And, and, and I never respond to those comments or like them or anything. Um because I don't want to, I'm not mean, I don't want to be mean. Right. So, uh, but then I did have, like I had this really, it took off in Australia. Right. Like so, uh, somehow it blew up in Australia and I got like 4,000 followers in a week just from Sydney. And um, You're the new Cliff Richard. <laughs> and um, they, uh, you know, they all were like sending me their pictures asking to be next. Oh, can you do me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did. I did this one guy who was really sweet, which I wasn't going to take requests. Like, I, right. I was like, I'm never going to go down that route. But then um, I have a pug, and I was going through his pictures, and he had a pug. And I was like, okay, he's pug people. I'll do his Yeah, picture. yeah, yeah. You know, of course, he's beautiful. And I did his picture, and then people tore him apart in the comments. And he messaged me, and he was like, there's a lot of haters on this page. And I was like, y yeah, wh what did you expect? Right. Like, did you think it was, like, everyone was going to be lollipops and gumdrops? So like, the comments toward him that were hateful... What were they saying? What oh, was their problem just, with him? Just saying that, you know, like... That, that you're shallow and... People like that are shallow and and dumb. Everyone thinks they're dumb. I, right. I don't think they're dumb. Like, I honestly think they're smart because they know how to market just their body. Right. And they're not... They're not... And not that there's anything wrong with porn, but they're not doing porn. They're literally just taking their shirt off. Right. Posting three pictures a week. 
and, and how do they money make money? It. They do. Some of them, yeah. Because they're influencers. They yeah. they promote products and stuff like that. Um it's funny, I just cleared 10,000 followers and my whole Instagram account changed and so now I can do brand deals and stuff. And That's it's amazing. So it's so funny if, uh, that, you know, the tables have turned. <laughs> Where did the idea first come from? Uh, I've thought about it for a long time. Uh, I've thought about it for a super long time with like a certain group of, you know, WeHo uh, hotties that I've known for a long time. I've never met them, but I've always like seen them at parties or seen right. them at the Abbey or, you know, that kind of stuff. And they never had a fat friend. And I'm always like, I want to be their fat friend. I want to hang out with them. Right. And then I was like, one day, like a year ago, two years ago, I just had this thought. I was like, what if I photoshopped myself into like a handful of their pictures, like as a joke? That would be so funny. And even if I did it like crudely, like what if I just did it It have to be seamless. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So I thought about it for a long time, but I'm uh, I'm practically a never nude. Like I don't take my shirt off in public. I don't. I'm like never naked in public. I don't go to bathhouses. You know, like I can't do it. Um, But then I'm going to, I just turned 39 and I was like, wait, I've been married for eight years. Um, He's clearly attracted to me. I know that people are attracted to me. Also, like there's a billion people on the planet and we all have bodies. Like I'm just going to take my shirt off and do this joke because I think this joke would be really funny. And I think it would would be a hit as a post. I was just going to post it on Facebook Post it on my personal Instagram. Right. Post it on Twitter. You know, you always have a dream of something going viral. Right. And you think about it. But at the same time, I was like, it probably won't. Yeah, you can't make something go viral. Yeah. But I was like, I'm just going to do it for fun and see what happens. Um, So Rob, my husband, and I went to Palm Springs. And we rented a house. And it had a pool. And I was like, you know what? I can finally take all these um, shirtless pictures around the pool. And I picked like seven of their pictures. And I was like, I'm going to do... All seven at once. And so just you know how you're on. matching, yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we did a, one day <laughs> at the house, we did a photo shoot, and Rob took my picture for like an hour and different, I changed my, my changed my swimming suit a couple of times to like mix it up, and you know, we moved around the house and just took all these different uh, thirst trap photos, and right. then, um, then we came back to LA, and I, I sat on it for maybe a month, um, just because I didn't have the motivation to do it, I was just right. kind of lazy, I was working a lot at the time. So then uh, one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I edited all the pictures and then I posted it. And I think it was maybe like a Tuesday or something. I was like, I'm just going to post it. And it really blew up for me on Facebook. Like it got like 500 likes or something, which, you know, I never get that many likes on Facebook. because It's just Facebook. Right. Um, and it got a lot of likes on Twitter and it got a, likes on, a, a lot of likes on Instagram and like reshares and stuff. And then my friend Lucas, who lives in Phoenix, he was like, you have to start an Instagram account just for this and do yes. it all the time. Right. And I was like, no, that's really cheesy. I don't want to like be one of those people that starts an Instagram account for their dog kind of thing. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's so, it's so weird to start an account for a character and all this stuff. Right. He's like, no, 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 you have to do it. Like just my friends and I are talking about it at like the bars. Like right. it's funny. You need to do it. I was you like, you okay. tapped into something. Yeah, absolutely. And so I created the account and, uh, Totally forgot what I called it because I was calling it "fat gay friend" to everyone. I was like, "Yeah, it's fat gay friend." And They're then, like, "I can't find it. I can't. Why isn't it coming yeah. up?" Uh, and it's and actually "gay fat friend." It's "gay fat friend." Yeah. Uh, thanks to Sharon Houston for uh, texting me and be like, "You're telling people the wrong thing." <laughs> um, but yeah, so I called it "gay fat friend," and then that so that was the first week of October, 
And then it sat there, like my friends and, and family and stuff followed it. So I had maybe like 400 followers for a month. And I was posting like once a week. And then um, Elliot Glazer from Broad City, his sister was on Broad City. And oh, yeah. he wrote it and he was on it as her brother, which is really funny. Right. Um, he reposted it in his Instagram stories one morning before I even woke up. And I woke up to like... 300 likes and like 50 followers all of a sudden I was like uh oh like what happened because he didn't even tag me and yeah. he just reposted the page and so I kept getting all these followers and all these followers and stuff and so after like 200 followers like I couldn't even look at my phone it was just like constantly scrolling so thrilling and I was like what's happening so um I I DM'd a couple new followers and I was like just curious like how did you find me and they told me Elliot and Elliot and I are friends oh cool and um they were like, yeah, Elliot reposted it. And I was like, oh my God. And I got 1,000 followers that day. Amazing. Like, in the first day. And you're up to 10,000 now, which uh, is yeah, like, in, a, in a few months. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think Elliot posted it like the first week of November. Yeah. And now it's the last week of December, and I'm at like almost uh, 10,500. 10, Love it. How often do you try to post? I post every day. You post every day. That was the thing, too. Uh, you know Tom Lank, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has a huge account right. on Instagram. And so I reached out to him, and I was like, what do what I do? What are the best practices? What do yeah. I do? And yeah, he yeah. was like, you got to keep the momentum going. Yeah. He was like, you have momentum right now. Keep it going. He's like, the best thing you can do is just do it every day. And I was like, okay. It's yeah. not It's not hard. I, I, uh, I pick a picture every day, grab Rob, my husband. We run to the bedroom. We take a couple snaps real fast. Do you have then, like a green screen or something no, like that? Yeah. No. I just do it in front of our curtains. Yeah. And, uh, and then I use this little app on my phone called Pixomatic. It's not even Photoshop. And uh, I cut myself out, and then I, you know, paste myself to their in. picture, and then I put a color filter on it to make it blend, and then it's done. And uh, I'm done in, like, 30 minutes. And I just do it every day. I love it. What's the and then I write a caption. What's the <laughs> furthest length you went to to get a certain physical shot? Um, I know you've hung on trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the hanging on tree one, I just jumped with my arms straight up in the air. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I did one two or three days ago. Uh, where I'm falling off of a post because a guy's like perched on a post at like Runyon and I it's next to another post so I I position myself to look like I'm falling yeah. and I actually to get the shot I actually did fall yeah and I hit my shoulder on the bed and I bruised my shoulder really bad uh, but it's your art you, you're suffering yeah your yeah art. exactly and then I, I remember that one and I love the caption because a lot of these hotties will try to couch their Captions and self-help stuff. So it's mm -hmm. basically every caption should be, check me out, I'm fucking hot. Yeah. That should be every caption. Yeah. But they have to like try not to be that guy. So they're like, life is a balancing act. <laughs> so you started to sort of take that on in your captions and I love it. I love your captions because they're so innocent and there's no edge to them. They're sunny, yeah. happy, friends, That's, fun. Yeah. And I think that makes it more subversive. Because that's, there, there's there's so many different like reads that I'm doing. Uh, and that is that they all, uh, you know, post the highlight reel of their life. So every picture is the best day of their life. Yeah. So I try to go that route. Um, but I also, to kind of read them a little bit is, and they do this too. Um, I will like mix up quotes or like change sayings and stuff like that to be, and just to like, you know, uh, instead of like, Killing two birds with one stone. I'll say like killing two birds in a bush. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'll just mix up 
phrases right. and people will DM me and be like, oh, you got that phrase wrong. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's the, the joke. <laughs> well, what I read is that you're having so much fun that you didn't even have time to think about it. Yeah. In other words, I got, I, I'm off to the, I'm onto the nest. LOL. Like yeah. there's a, there's a, um, lifestyle being lived that is freewheeling and, and not, um, self-analyzing or like, it's just off the cuff and let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, uh. I try to use as many buzzwords as I can, especially yeah. when... What are buzzwords? I- inappropriate. Like, you know, like everyone says wig yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and fierce and just like, yeah. just different words that people love to yes. use on Instagram. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Y-A-S-S-S-S-S-S. Yeah. So I just... And then I do a bunch of hashtags, which I learned doing this, you can only do 30 hashtags. You can only do 30. Yeah. Now, for my game, I've started using a program called Tailwind. Mm. And it's you can only use it if you're a business or product, but this might oh, apply. Okay. But you can plan them out on a laptop, and they help you find the most effective hashtags. I've loved it. Oh. Because I was not great at posting. I had no posting discipline in terms of building this business on the phone, but I love this Tailwind, and it ends up being like $10 a month, and there's a free trial for like 30 oh, posts. Cool. But they tell you, like if you type in a, 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 a hashtag, they will tell you if it's in that sweet spot of of hashtags or this is too popular it probably won't do you any good yeah. this is the best one you could use this one not so good you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i really like it so, is, my, is my point it's funny because the hashtags are part of the joke too because they always use 30 yeah, hashtags. yeah yeah and uh so i just copy and paste yeah my hashtags from every post to the next post and then just change two of them yeah so like every single one of my posts is hashtag runyon even if they're like in greece oh yeah beach. yeah no um and and people have caught on to it that i only change to hashtags yeah. per picture. Um, but it, I, the hashtags have like helped too. It's That's so funny. That's part they're, of building it. They're, yeah, they're part of the joke, but it works too. Have you been recognized on this, from people I that have? What's that like? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's exciting, but it's also like a little embarrassing. Like I'm still working through right. being naked on the internet, you know? Right. So, or nearly naked. So um, it's still like, it's almost like... <clears throat> My parents are really into it and think it's funny. And they, yeah. that, I'm like, don't look at pictures of me with my shirt off, Mom. Yeah. Like, I know it's a joke, but it's weird. Uh, but yeah, people have recognized me. I went to the um, Ben Dilla Creme and Jinx Monsoon show last night in Hollywood. And uh, a ton of people there, like, followed me and stuff. And I could tell, like, a lot of people were smiling and staring at me. And one guy came up to me and he was like, I love your account and stuff like that. And I don't know. I ha- it's so new and it all happened so fast that I don't know how to talk about it yet. Yeah. It, like spur of the moment when someone recognizes me but i did tell people um in the stories on the page i was like if you see me in real life like my name is todd but you can call me gay fat friend like i think that's funny yeah uh and i was like and if you see someone you think is me please call them gay fat friend because that's funny too so um i love how it celebrates friendship Uh and fun um where's the weirdest place you've been recognized um well it all just started happening but um I'm trying to think. I just on the sidewalk after the show last night. Like yeah. I was, I was leaving, and this guy was like staring at me, and I was like, "You know, when you can tell like you're either being cruised or something's going on." I could yeah. tell that he recognized me, right? And like I kind of had to break the ice, and I was like, "Hi," and he was like, "Are you gay, fat friend?" And I was like, "Yes." Oh, <laughs> you know? I love it. Um, but it's yeah, like I said, it's all happened so fast. Uh, it's all so new. Have you so... thought about? And it's so early, but have you thought about what that character would talk like if you were to? go up on stage as as gay fat friend. Yeah, and that's another thing. I haven't decided if 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 gay fat friend is literally just me. Yeah. Or, or if or if he has a different voice. Yeah, because now like 
in Australia, people were like, you, you have to come down for Mardi Gras and do shows because everyone found out I was a comedian. Yeah. And I was like, do I go and do shows, like, and just do my jokes and just do my set as Todd? Or do I try to write a gay fat friend set? Like, I don't know. I think gay fat friend and Todd are twins. Okay. And that way you can do both. And now I'm going to send my, tw- my, my, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just I love that. Right? So you could do a little chunk as gay fat friend. My friend, my my brother Todd is a little more edgy than me. He doesn't have as many friends, yeah. of course. You know, because um, I love the sunniness of gay fat friend. I love that he's ever sunny. Yeah, I I just I never wanted to be mean, and even like in their pictures, I've I've had a couple pictures where they're not smiling. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I have to smile extra hard. Like I always have to have like Muppet mouth and be yeah. just really excited. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because uh, yeah, I don't I. I don't know. I just don't want to ever come off as a bully or mean, which no. some, some people have like hinted that I'm a bully and I'm like, I'm not. I'm literally just adding my fat body to your pictures and making a funny caption. I've never once said anything mean. I think in the gay world, if you're hot, it's like being a millionaire. It's like having all the money. It's oh, like yeah, having you've... all the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more important than money. Uh-huh. It's more important than almost anything. Mm-hmm. Youth is is big but like hot still is hot and i and i think anyone that's been in that world has thought you know what i'm going to commit myself to that and my whole life's going to change that is the ticket to happiness yeah that and then when instagram happened and it's like oh you get to be that full time yeah that's your job now and, and and it's a lot so for everyone that's you're Your feet is cathartic for everyone who has tried to navigate the gay social scene <laughs> and where it feels like if you it, the only thing that matters is being hot. Yeah. And if you're not, there's then why don't you just fucking die? <laughs> yeah. You know what I um, mean? Like and you and you also imagine that for a lot of these guys that are, that the idea of not being it is almost unthinkable. Oh, You've yeah. decided for them that this is the most important thing in their world is being hot. Yeah. And I, and I also feel like when you see it on Instagram, it sort of underscores that, mm-hmm. um, that may not be true. A lot of them probably have hobbies, mm-hmm. probably have great jobs, probably make more money than I'll ever make in my life. <laughs> but well, it's, it, it really does feel like you're either, you're either in this club or you're not. Yeah. And there's no spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, had a couple of them that I've used their pictures message right. me and be like, you know, I never realized how silly my posts are until you called it out because all of my posts are just me on my page or me and my friends. And we all look the same. And like on my page, it looks a certain way, but when you take it out of context, you're like, wow, that's, I can't believe I posed like that. And that's so silly. Like guys have said that to me, you know? Yeah. And so it's even kind that's of really like, really interesting. It's given them, them a, up. A, a real, a little bit, of a self-reflection. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> for the longest time, I thought that everyone with a six-pack and a chest hated people like me. Unless they were like a chaser, you know? Right. I thought that the majority of beautiful men hated guys with my kind of body, you know? And uh, what I've learned is, for the most part... Uh, Everyone hates those guys. Like, the guys that are, like, always together on Instagram, always post pictures together, always pose together. Like, none of them are, like, dating. They're all just friends, but they've all slept with each other. They're always, like, in a hive mind. Those kind of guys, the reason it's always just them 
is because everyone doesn't like them, you know? <laughs> like, right. And so there are, you know, traditional or quote unquote beautiful people that aren't like that. And like, like I have had so many just gorgeous men message me and be like, if I'm ever in LA, we have to hang out. We have to get dinner. We have to be friends. Like it's not, um, it's, I think it's because we live in LA and it's just what we see all the time that we think that's what the norm is. But for the most part, uh, like there's beautiful guys around the world that don't care about that stuff. Like they take care of their body and they go to the gym and whatever, like that's their thing, but they don't care what their friends look like. Right. You know, I think when you see some of these pictures and stuff, you feel like it's like a clubhouse that says you're not allowed. Yeah. Hots only. Mm -hmm. And that's what it feels like their lives are like. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of sneak in the side door and say, look, I'm here too. And isn't this more fun than it even was before? Yeah. It's, it feels kind of delicious. (laughs) Uh, I've had a couple, like I had one guy um, who I used his picture and then he reposted it and he was like, even though I have a ton of friends of various bodies, I really love this account. And I think it's funny what you're doing. And then I was like, oh, good. I'm so glad you like it. And then I went through his feed forever, just scrolling nonstop and never once saw a body like mine. No. But in his post, he made it, he made it you know, he had to call out that he has friends of all yeah, shapes yeah, yeah. and sizes. And I'm like, where are they? You cannot find them. Yeah. And, you, you, you know, like... Like these hot guys, they're okay. They're doing their thing with their guys, and then on Saturday they have their office Christmas party with all the girls from the center pool. Do they post a picture of that? No fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like their desperation to protect this brand. You feel it, you yeah. know. Um, and so it's fun to sort of poke at it. Yeah. But and also with Instagram, I think as somebody that that's always thought felt outside of that that like they always they already had all the power yeah and now now it's this too (laughs) it felt like it feels like a lot you know now it gets to be your job yeah anyway to be the guy that doesn't look at you that that you walk by at crunch that won't make eye contact because they're afraid you might want something from them or you might actually be interested in them and Please don't. The, the subtext is don't say hi to me. Don't even. Don't even fucking look at me. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm projecting a lot on there. But I think <laughs> I think that's why it's caught on is because it's tapping into all of these yeah different it's, dynamics. It's, it's really striking a chord that I had no idea it was going to do, and I'm really excited. It's been really fun. Um, I uh, one thing that a ton of people do is they will comment or message me and be like you're the hottest one in the picture and i was like i don't need that like i know i'm not (laughs) like don't say that but thank you um but also i don't i i don't want to look like them i mean everybody wants to look like them but the work it takes to look like that and the starvation and the hours in the gym and the the sadness and the counting calories and i don't want that life you know because they do work really hard for these bodies. They sacrifice a lot. But, yeah. You know, I don't want that. Like, no. That's too much. I want to have pizza. Yeah. I did you, have pizza what did you think of Kumail Najani? Oh, I Be- don't like it at all. You don't like it at all. Because I've always been attracted to him. Uh-huh. And then when I saw that, I was just like, oh my God. And that, then, like, I would go about, I would look at it, and I read the post, and then I would go about my day, and I'm like, I need to look at that again. Yeah. Because it's so much. Uh-huh. But I'm also not a comic. And I feel like a lot of people in the comedy world feel like he's sort of 
That's how I was. I was like, it felt felt a little abandoned or something. Yeah. Well, and it's not a natural body. Yeah. Um, he, like even if he's not doing full on steroids, he did something right to get like that muscle, and he starved himself, and it was weird. And he's like all veiny now, and he yeah. like he looks so weird, but then he still has that face, which is not like he's not ugly, but he has like a character face. He doesn't yeah. have like a leading man face, right. you know. And so it's just like, he looks like someone that's trying so hard to fit into a group of people, you know, that don't want him kind of thing. Interesting. And uh, as a comic, it's just like, you know, I get like, if Marvel was like, hey, do you want to be a superhero in our next movie? I'd be like, for sure. And if they were like, okay, cool, you got to gain 50 pounds of muscle and lose 100 pounds of fat, I'd be like, okay, well, I mean, if you're going to pay me millions and I'll be a Marvel movie, I guess we can do that, but... So I get, like, all the sides. I get where he's coming from. But also to, like, now become, like, a fitness model and stuff. At, as a comedian, it's just weird that he did that. Right. It's, it's just, just weird. They, they don't go together. They seem to go to not go together. It's like when Chris Pratt did it. Yeah. You know? It's just like, ugh, like, you had to do that? Yeah. You know? So. and but, but as somebody that found him so hot in Gal- Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that it, yeah. I would literally catch my... I would go... <gasps> yeah. Like, I had moments of that. Anyway. But it's yeah. interesting when comedians do that. Um, when did you first start doing comedy? How old were you? Uh, so, the very first time was in uh, 1999. Yeah. Um, in college. I was 19. And I did... Uh, I opened for Jimmy Fallon. It was, like, his first season of SNL. He was featured. He wasn't, like, Jimmy Fallon yet. Right. And they did a contest on my campus. He was doing a tour, and they were like, you know, if you win this contest, you can open for him when he comes. And so, of course, I was, like, really excited. I was like, maybe this is my chance. And you hadn't done comedy at all? Never. No, I was getting a theater degree, and I did, like, acting all through high school. Um, But I've always been, I had always been obsessed with comedy. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And then I, there's only five of us in the contest, but I won. You won. So I got to open for Jimmy. Uh, and then I finished college. I never did it again. I finished college. I moved to New York to like pursue Broadway. I did a lot of off-Broadway stuff. I did like one open mic when I lived in New York. Right. And then, um, and then I did a couple commercials and I was like, I don't want to live in New York anymore. I don't want to do theater anymore. I want to move to LA and like do television. Like I thought like it was that easy. So then I moved here in 2006 and when I got here in 06, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to dive into stand-up. I think that's what I want to do. I want right. to do stand-up. I think that's going to be my route to fame, you right. know? Um, and I'd always been obsessed with it, and I'd always been funny. And so um, I just started writing jokes and going to a couple open mics, and it just took off from there. So it's been, I guess, 13 years. I usually, people when people ask how long have you been doing stand-up, I do it from 2006. Right. Even though the first time I did it was 1999. Yeah, yeah. What did you remember about Fallon? Did you have a meet and greet with him? Yeah, yeah, we hung out in the green room. He was he was young. He was very energetic. He was very in his head. And especially now that I've been doing Santa for so long, thinking back to meeting him and his process, like I know a lot of guys that are like him, like kind of want to chat, but also in his head really, really hard before the show and like needs to focus yeah. and like get it. And he, do, he was doing musical comedy. That was right. his first comedy album was half music oh wow okay um and uh yeah so he was like he had his guitar and, and he was like uh and i think he also played the piano and he was just like going over his music in his head and he had this like long shaggy justin bieber haircut nice 
Have you ever tried to get a job writing on a show and use I, that moment as a so as an in? Yeah, I've tried so many times to like reach him. Remember, and, dot dot dot. Yeah. Well, so what I did was, so when I found out that I was going to open for him, I made a VHS tape of character work that I gave to him, and I said, "Can you give this to Lauren Michaels because I want to be on SNL too?" And he was like, "Sure." And then like months passed and I was like he probably threw it in the dumpster at his hotel like why would he carry this VHS tape all the way back to New York um and then like six months went by and then I get this package from NBC and I'm like what is this and it's my tape and it's a letter from the legal department saying so like, we, can't we can't look at on yeah we can't watch it because we didn't ask for it blah 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 and so I was like oh my god Jimmy Fallon took the tape he took it back to New York and he yeah. gave it to someone and then they Sent it back. Like, he actually did that. He did so, He did you a solid. Yeah, so I was like, oh my god, he's the nicest person yeah. ever. And then his career took off, and then he was on SNL for a long time, and then eventually, you know, had his own talk show and got The Tonight Show. And so I've always uh, loved him, and I've always tried to get a hold of him. I mean, I, I there was one year where I was tweeting at him all the time. Like, right. he's got to see this. He's got to see this. Um, and, like, DMing him on Twitter and stuff. And then he got The Tonight Show, and then um, I was just, like, I was Googling, like, producers of The Tonight Show and tweeting at them and trying to find emails and stuff like that. I um, finally, last year, showcased for the stand-up booker for The Tonight Show, and I told him my story, and, like, he didn't care. <laughs> like, he, I was like, can you just ask Jimmy? Can you just, like, tell him? But I, I don't, I guess, I don't know, Jimmy's really busy, and, and I don't know how it works, and... Yeah, so I just I just want to know if he remembers. Right, and talk to him about you it. Had this and it's a good icebreaker. It's a fun story, and yeah. it, it makes him look good too. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, it's oh the schmooze, the yeah. schmooze of it all. Mm -hmm. So we met working on Fashion Police. We, yeah, we did. What year did you come on that? Like 2011, 2012. Um, it was like. Two years before Joan died, and she died so in like 14. She died in 14, so it would have so been like 2012. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite memory of Joan? Uh, the first time she laughed at a joke that I said out loud. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> the joke? Yeah. I don't remember the exact joke, um, but I just remember that feeling, because, uh, you know, we all sat around that table yeah. at Melissa's house, and it was my, I think it was my first meeting, um, and she just, uh, I read a joke out loud, and she just, you know laughed at it and it was just I melted and it was amazing and it was so fun I mean I was on staff so I, I felt a little more secure but I think those table joke pitching things you really felt like your chair a, drop, a trap door could oh yeah, come yeah, out. yeah. if you bombed your yeah. trap door would come out and you would just end up in the Pacific Ocean yeah. or something well and it was always so um uh what's the word not foreign it, it was always so we never knew what was going to happen yeah like sometimes Stuff that she would laugh out loud at in the room, and then you'd watch the show, and she never said it. And then other times, she would be quiet the whole meeting, and then there'd be a ton of jokes on the show. And you're like, what does she want? You know? Like, yeah. it was so hard to read. Yeah. It's so mysterious. That's and it was only, with you guys, this, you guys were kind of freelance, you would kind of find out week to week that you were still... Oh, yeah, yeah. You never really knew if you <laughs> yeah. were going to be doing this. Thing. You would just get the email with the packet. And be like, oh, I guess I'm doing I it I guess I'm week. doing it again. Is that how it was communicated? Yeah, yeah, that's how it was. Yeah. Um... Was there ever any surreal moments that you remember at the, there with Melissa? And I remember Melissa being jealous uh, that we didn't 
go to Cooper 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 Cooper's play or baseball game or something. We were so we were, you know how we would always like eat breakfast and then in the in the kitchen and then yeah. we would go in the room and pitch. So we're all sitting around eating breakfast in the breakfast nook, and I forget somebody was talking about they went to like they went to their niece's show or something and then like Christmas pageant or something and then we were talking about you know going to like a Jackie Beat show or yeah. something. And then Melissa came up and was just like, how come you guys never come, like, come to Cooper stuff? And, you know, how come you guys never hang out with us and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, like, so weird that Melissa Rivers <laughs> was saying that to us, you know. And it only I'd only been there a few weeks. And so it was just, like, she was still kind of, you know, yeah. a big celebrity to me. So I was just like, it's so weird that we're in her house and she's, like, asking. Why didn't we come to the She's, thing? like, a little jealous that she doesn't hang out with us. And it was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So That was a very interesting time. We were both part of that strike. Yeah. Does that feel like a long time ago to you, or does it feel like recent? It feels so long ago. It does. And we just went through so... We had so many meetings, and we went through so many, like, emotions and highs and lows, and and then Joan died, and then it was, like, kind of just done, even though technically we're still on strike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is weird. Um, but it feels like a long time ago. It feels like forever ago. I mean, you know, I had a lot of hatred for a lot of different people because of it. Uh, in every direction um and luckily I let, I let all that go but like i was really mad at, at tony tony tripoli for a long time but now he and i are really close and really good friends so to me that that was the single most impactful event of my life in terms of the fallout from it and how i changed and what i learned and all of that stuff do you regret it no, no? there was no good there was no good Direction. Direction. Yeah. What I what I learned from the the experience, what I learned about myself is that I often don't advocate for myself. My I always feel like I have to not upset anybody. So I was yeah. really afraid of not upsetting the show, not upsetting the writers guild. Never so I never stood up and said, What does this mean for me? What am I you know, I never advocated for myself. Yeah. There was still no good choice. Yeah. Because the way I believe the way that the writers were being treated on that show, more so you guys than me, was wrong. Yeah was immoral. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't sit there and pitch those jokes and know that. So if I had stayed, I would have felt like a coward and I would have sacrificed my guild membership, which meant something to me for yeah. something that I didn't believe in. Um, but I learned that there were things that I believed then that I got wrong, but I, I, I don't, there was no good way. Do yeah. You, I don't know. I, don't I know. ultimately, um, ultimately I, have regret about it yeah. um only because i was never in the writers guild so i didn't i didn't have like a membership to lose right exactly no but, and, and that's a big deal that's a major thing and and from the meetings and stuff the way they set it up is that you know like scabs are going to get blacklisted and and all this stuff and i know it's been so long and and the things i know now like people that did write for the show people that were scabs are in the writers guild now and they're working on shows and so i'm like um, uh, that yeah, no. I feel like we were lied to a lot, not I, lied to or just misdirected. And I feel like we were outgunned, yeah, like legally, yeah, like the Comcast lawyers versus uh, yeah, the Writers Guild, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think because it meant something to me to be in the Writers Guild, I think I thought they were more formidable than they were tactically, yeah, and legally, and in terms of. Like, yeah, who their their personnel and stuff like that. 
Well, and um, I reached out. So in the years since then, I've I, I've reached out to the Writers Guild a couple times for help. And 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 I'm right when we went on strike, I asked. I was like, "Can I join the Writers Guild? Like, can I please get a membership out of this?" Like, we didn't get anything from. We got like a tiny settlement or whatever, but like. You know, we didn't get anything from it, so can I can I at least join the Writers Guild? Can I have a membership? Like, I think that'll help me get an agent and all this stuff. And they're like, no, you have to get hired on a show. Like, they still, I still have to earn a Writers Guild membership, even though I picketed for them, you know, and, and gave up a Gave up a that. job. Um, and the people that did stay and the people that did scab, you know, got raises and got promotions and, and got taken under people's wings, and, and that made me really jealous. I, I, and I also see it whenever I see a TV show about a strike or even newsies like all of those dynamics are the same yeah there's like there's this something there's something going on that is not right people are not being treated fairly I never look at a picket line and think oh they're making it up oh I always think they're justified there's a reason they're terrified Mm -hmm. and they couldn't they couldn't not do this the only yeah the only way I think having done it and having researched it and stuff, I feel the only way a strike ever works is if it's industry wide. Yeah. I don't think just because there is a plethora of talent all around the world. Right. So especially for a creative strike, if one show goes on strike, great. We'll just hire a new staff. Like it's not hard. So strikes only work if every single person that does it is doing it. Yeah. Because then there's no way to cover it. You know? Yeah. Uh, You, you, force someone into a corner with a strike like that. Yeah. But ours, they were just like, it, they didn't miss one show. Nothing, nothing changed. No, and, but, I, <laughs> but I also remember the tensions around it were so intense that it was kind of like something had to blow. Yeah. So it, it, in other words, it was unsustainable the way it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it was years of, I still haven't really recovered from it in terms of like financially or yeah. things like that. Um, but I learned a lot. What did you learn? I learned not to be so trusting of people, uh, especially just because they're in a position of power, you know? I just blanket trusted everything that the Writers Guild and the people that work there told us. I just believed everything. I trusted everything. You know, all the all the different things they promised us and stuff that never happened. I just trusted them. I, I believed them. So, But I think that's just part of growing up. Yeah, I think so too. I think I was just young and naive. I mean, it was my first television writing job. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've definitely learned, been in the trenches and learned a lot since then. Yeah. So, um, cause yeah, right after, uh, the job I had after Fashion Police, Joan was still alive, was, um, Drag Race. I wrote the challenges for season seven of Drag Race. Oh yeah. How was that? Um, and that was, you know, that was a crazy experience where, um, that show went on strike while I was on it, but it was the crew. Um, right. But because the whole crew went on strike, the show got shut down for two days they had to join the union or else the show wouldn't get so finished. And the, it was in the strike work. Yeah. It was like in the, the, it takes six weeks to film that show and yeah. it was like three and a half weeks in. So like they, they had to, um, they had to join the union, but I was a producer slash writer and we were the only part of the show that didn't unionize. <laughs> so I was like, great. I, you know, well, that's one thing that I look back on and think, wait, I was working for a major cable network in this capacity, and I was in this position of having not to be in the union that every other show. Like, yeah. I, I have a little bit more compassion for all of us. Yeah. Like, that we were supposed to somehow be able to navigate that. Mm-hmm. 
as our as our own sort of people that are just trying to hustle and and do the right thing. Yeah. Um, but that show was really intense and fast. It was the whole job was twelve weeks. The and, the uh, drag race thing. Yeah. What was your favorite part of it? Uh, just like being in the workroom, you know, being on set. We shot at Hollywood Center Studios. Yeah. Just like seeing it all in real life because I'd always been such a big fan. And like, what were some of the challenges that you guys did that you remember? We did the the Shakespeare challenge. Okay. Uh, I did a lot of the mini, like, I wrote a lot of the mini challenges. So nice. the, the paper dress where they all had to, like, recreate a red carpet look out of paper. Nice. Um, the Orange is the New Black, like, who uh, was the, challenge. Who were the big queens that year? Trixie. Okay. Katia. Okay. Uh, Ginger Minge. Um, uh, Violet Tchotchke. Nice. Fitness Fame. Pearl. Like, almost everyone on my season kind of blew up. Our season was one of the first seasons to like blow up and yeah. really be big on, on Reddit, on the internet and yeah. and stuff like that. Um, it was one of the first seasons. Uh, well, actually, season eight, the season after mine was when they started getting nominated for Emmys and right. stuff. So, um, But because it was a reality show and they're a reality show production company and um, they're, they were really obsessed with the internet at the time and the internet tore season seven apart. So, oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't get that job back. <laughs> um, so Would you have wanted to go back? I did. I tried. Yeah. Because the season after, they did season eight, and then they did All Stars 2 at oh, the yeah. same time. So it would have been 24 weeks of constant work. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was, like, it, it sounded like I was coming back. They were like, you know, you're on hold. We'll let you know, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I, uh, yeah, then one of the executive producers, uh, I guess, just didn't want me to come back. And so I didn't go back. Which sucks because I really wanted to go back. Because um, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was intense and it was scary sometimes, uh, but it was still fun and it was a job. Yeah, you know, the only thing was uh, because I do stand up and I'm a performer and stuff, uh, and I was writing on Hey Queen, Johnny McGovern's show. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I was already friends with a lot of Drag Race girls like Willem and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think I was too. Uh, like too in uh, with queens already, and I, I kind of knew too much, and um, so I, I don't think I don't think they invited me back to work there because uh, I was already in that circle. You know, I think they they wanted people that were like be quiet and keep their head down and just like write and like not try to be a part of it or stuff like that. But, right, 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 right. Which was not going to happen for me. So. Right, they saw you as a hyphenate that would yeah, they, yeah, do yeah. different things like that. Yeah. But that's interesting. That the, the show, the crew and stuff were able to go union because of that moment, but not the writers. Yeah. It's really weird. The other thing that I took away from the strike is, I think I thought that if I stood up and did the right thing, a, f- a few doors might open out of respect or ad- admiration. Yeah. Those, poor, those guys took a hit. Let's bring them in and at least meet with them. Yeah. I did not have that experience. I had the opposite. I had. People... I felt like there was a little bit of I don't want any of your troublemaker juice yep. on me. Yeah. And absolutely. as to someone who's always tried to be agreeable and has never thought of themselves as a troublemaker, <laughs> to be to see the fear in people that I always thought were more powerful than me. Yeah. Going, not wanting to have anything to do with you know they. It's almost like there's a shame element to it. Like, I interviewed for a handful of jobs that I will say came from the writer's guild. They were like recommendations. Yeah. But a couple of them were like, you shouldn't tell people you're on strike right now. <laughs> like it was like a thing. They were like, don't tell people that. Like, okay. Oh, great. Wow. What have I done? Kind people, there's, everyone's scared. 
Yeah. Even people that seem like they're doing well and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that was because writing jobs are so hard to get. They are. And and I and think no one wants to like ruffle any feathers. I remember when Rupert Everett came out of the closet, like the nineties, and he did some quote about like if my success is that precarious, then whatever. Yeah. And now that I've sort of been through this thing, I think Success in showbiz is always that precarious. It <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. One one wrong outfit, and you may never work again. Like yeah. It it like I remember at that time agreeing with him, like going, yeah, he's whatever. But I do think it is so precarious. Well, and like um, Tom Link actually said, like there because of streaming services and just because of time, there are so many actors now, and so many writers, and so many every like creatives in this town. So many people have moved to L.A to do this career and there's just so many that even now like people that were famous actors in the 90s and the early aughts are now begging to do a celebrity version of a cooking show or or a reality show or a Hallmark Christmas movie or something you know because there's no jobs for anyone there's too many people there's no jobs for anybody so everyone is trying so hard to stay relevant and do whatever they can and some people are succeeding and some people are failing which brings me back to your Instagram thing. Doesn't it feel good to have your something that's yours? Yeah. That because I've I've got one of the f- other fallouts of the strike for me was I had to get more entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. um, and that's a pain in the ass sometimes. And sometimes you make a little money, sometimes you don't. Whatever. But it does feel like good to have something that's mine. Yeah. That like, no one can take away from you. I'm creating these pictures and writing these captions, and <clears throat> it's not someone else's account that I'm writing for. Yeah. It's all mine, and it feels. So great. Can I think you should do a calendar. That's what everyone said. But like, so technically I'm covered under collage law, which is what Warhol did. So like, oh, yeah. technically I'm considered a collage artist. Oh yeah. But I don't think I can, I don't think I can sell their image. Yeah. I don't think you can make so money off if of, I do right. a calendar, it would have to be set up. And you would have that, to hire the guys. And then that kind of takes the joke away from me, just personally. Like right. I could recreate these pictures with models that I paid easily. Yeah. So there is a calendar out there somewhere I just have to figure out how to do how to it and still needle. be funny yeah. um, but like a, just today a t-shirt company reached out to me um, and they're sending me a bunch of free t-shirts and they're say, they want to do a collaboration of gay fat friend t-shirts so that I can do because it's I just words it. it's just, it's just going to say a black t-shirt with gay fat friend on it <laughs> I love it that's so exciting yeah so little things like that so it's 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 really exciting and, and big things could come from it I hope are going to come from it I feel like it's I feel like you're onto something, and I think it's exciting. And, uh, and I think it's great. Um, you picked some questions from the observation deck. I did. I'm really excited. What kind of driver are you? I'm a road ragey, terrible. Really? I'm a great driver. I'm a good driver. But you get angry. But I get angry when people are bad drivers. Yeah. And I think, so um, we're here in my house uh, near the Grove. The streets are extra narrow in this neighborhood. And, every, and it's all apartments, and everyone does Postmates and Uber Eats and gets Ubers and gets lifts and stuff. Yeah. There's always cars just stopped in the middle of every street with their flashers on at yeah. all times of day in the whole neighborhood. And and then there's like, now that there's scooters everywhere, which I love playing on scooters. I think scooters are fun, but then they're also just everywhere. And like, I've almost hit like a handful of people because they just scoot in front of your car when you're not yeah. even looking and all this stuff. So um, I was telling my friend Zach last night, I was like, I use my horn all the time. Like I yeah. honk constantly. I love it. Yeah, I, it gets a lot of aggression out. I feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I uh, I'm definitely road ragey. But 
Remember, I don't know, like, a couple months ago, like, uh, some some guy got, like, shot from a road. Like, he honked his horn and someone got out of the car and shot him. And I was like, yeah. okay, I need to calm down a little bit. I don't want to get shot over exactly. someone not turning right fast enough. That's not quite worth it. But yeah. I, I can imagine, um, <laughs> especially in this neighborhood, all yeah. the, the uber stuff. Mm-hmm. What movie do you wish you could live inside? Uh, X-Men or Harry Potter? Because I want superpowers. I want right. to be able to just, like, control things or do things. Um, I think my favorite superpower would either be to stop time, if that was available, or invisibility, which everybody always takes as like a creepy, like, oh, you want to be invisible so you can watch people take showers. I'm like, no, I want to be invisible so I can get out of things. Right. <laughs> like, just want to be able to instantly turn invisible and then I can just disappear. Like, right. that's what I want to do. That's um, fun. But yeah, I've always wanted to be an X-Men and have a superpower. There you go. What's the worst job you ever had? Waiting tables. Yeah, I hate. I hate. Did you ever do it? Mm-mm. Never. You never had to wait. I never waited tables. No, I I uh, did other things for sure, um, but I never waited tables. I waited tables for ten years. I for three years in New York and then seven years here. And I, people are animals, you know, and and people are bad tippers and people are rude and especially when it comes to food, people just think they can do whatever they want. You yeah. know, where were um, where was you? Where were you, you the longest? In terms uh, of your... I was in a, at a restaurant called Grub in Hollywood. It's yeah. in a little house. It started. Oh, as I know a, what it is. It's yeah. like a fun brunchy place. Yeah, it's, it started as a brunch and a lunch place. Yeah. While I worked there, I worked there for five years. Uh, they opened for dinner, but then they've since, they don't serve dinner anymore. Now they're just back to brunch and lunch. But um, it's, yeah, it's a foodie place. And I worked there during the birth of Yelp. And yeah. so I actually got fired from the job for a Yelp review. Uh, for somebody, because somebody wrote a bad Yelp review of you. Somebody, yeah, somebody said I was rude to them because I didn't, I, you know, didn't bend over backwards for their requests, and so yeah, I just ugh, waiting tables. It's the worst. It's the worst. All right, what movie did you see when you were way too young to see it? Striptease with my parents. Oh, the Demi Moore striptease. <laughs> yeah, That's so good. Yeah, um, in the theater with my parents. I have two older brothers, and they're like four and eight years older than me, so. By the time I got to, like, high school, I was pretty much an only child because my brothers had moved out and gone to college. So right. I saw strip tease in the theater with just my mom and dad, and it was so awkward as a teen <laughs> as a teen boy. Who picked the movie? Oh, my parents probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also saw um, Showgirls with my parents in the theater. That's amazing. <laughs> my parents, like, are pretty cool and, and, and didn't care about our ratings and stuff. They would take me to see movies all the time, uh, even my brothers and stuff, but... Um, yeah, just seeing like such a sex-heavy movie with just your parents—it's just so, that's, it's just so weird. Especially you know when you're a teen boy, you know your hormones are going in different yeah. directions. And um, I mean, I've I've always known and your I was camp gay. meter is going off <laughs> yeah. too. I've always known I was gay, but I didn't know what gay was per se. So right. like, yeah, it was just all oh, just kind of crazy, weird, and having all these emotions and feelings to sit, sit next to your mom and watch that movie—it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah, crazy. I can't remember yeah. which came first, striptease or, or showgirls. I, think uh, I might have to do a little first. googling. Yeah, have you ever stolen anything? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, I, I my grandma was a total <laughs> klepto and taught me how to steal things. Your grandmother taught you how to steal. Oh yeah, um, my grandma. Uh, she was a funny lady. She was a total klepto. So, um, salt and pepper shakers from restaurants. Sure. Uh, silverware. Like I've never, I've never like done a heist, and I've never stolen like something from someone's home. Or, yeah. Like, um, you know, anything like that, but like, I will take little things like, uh, 
Yeah, salt and pepper shakers. My grandma used to take, a, if there was a Parmesan cheese shaker at a pizza place, she would put it in her purse. Yeah. Um, like candles on a table. Like she would take a candle. Like little things like that. Uh, well, I like are we looking at the idea. Stuff? Are we, your, your place has some really fun stuff in it. Um, Thank I'm you. sure some of it must be hot. But what, <laughs> I, what I love about this is when you do it, you can see it as a way of connecting with your grandmother. Yeah. It's sentimental for you. <laughs> it's an act of love in yeah. a way. You're keeping your grandmother alive. Yeah. She would uh, want you to have that shirt or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I never realized it was stealing until like quite an adult. Yeah. You know? Like I was you like, just thought it was... oh, that was stealing. Like my grandma was stealing. <laughs> that was theft. That is so funny. All right. Tell people how they can learn more about you. Uh, definitely the, the Instagram feed, but if you have a website or any other Twitter yeah, yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Uh, so the biggest thing is gay fat friend on Instagram. Yeah. But then um, on Twitter and Instagram, my regular page is just at Todd Masterson. I tweet yeah. all the time. So it's funny because I always wanted... I always wanted to be big on Twitter, which I have a lot of followers on Twitter, but I wanted to be big on Twitter. I never thought I would be big on Instagram. Yeah. And now it's so funny that Instagram's my biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can find me there. Uh, and I post stand-up clips on YouTube. So if you just search Todd Masterson yeah. on YouTube, you can see my stand-up. But, um, here's what, here's, I'm also thinking outside the, I'm thinking you've brought yeah. all these. I want to see you in a uh, Pride Parade. Oh, for float. sure. I yeah. want to see you at Bear Week in B-Town. <laughs> yeah. Put you up in a fucking five-star place or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Book, Parades. Book me. Book me. Bring me out. I will yes. do anything. If I, you want to buy a plane ticket, I'll fly there. I think this is going to be... I think it's going to be great. I think oh, it's going to awesome. keep going and going and going. Thank you so much. Um, final question. What's the dream gig? Uh, I'm, God, it always changes. My whole life, I've wanted to be on SNL. But I am not the best character actor. You know, like I do characters that I do, right? But uh, like impressions are not my forte, and I've but I've always wanted to be on SNL. But now it's writing for SNL. I've always wanted to write for SNL. I just want to be in that studio with those people and that like environment. Like I've always just wanted to be attached to Saturday Night Live somehow. So you know, any anything, even if it's like doing stand up on Jimmy Fallon, like that's just. Right next door to SNL. Like, yeah. whatever's, like, closest to, to SNL, SNL, NBC, in that building, 30 Rock. Like, I just want to be there. Have you ever so. been to a taping? Not Because I SNL. hear it's a hot ticket to get. Yeah, it's in usually, like, invite yeah. only, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to go check it out. I, everyone I know... Well, I, so, now I have friends on the show and friends yeah. that write for the show and stuff like that. But um, growing up uh, and, and, and hearing about it, it was always uh, the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Like, everyone could get tickets to you the dress rehearsal. You could go to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is more fun because they do extra sketches during that. So. Yeah. You always feel the people that have come from it, when they talk about it, you always feel like there's more to the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. There's something dark about it, but I don't know. I'm projecting, but it's it's just interesting. Yeah. I think it's not for everybody. That kind of an intensity. Yeah. That schedule. The late nights, the whole thing. I love that stuff, though. But it'd be amazing. I work best under pressure, especially yeah. last minute. Yeah. So, that was what was so fun about Fashion Police. Yeah. You know? We had to write 5,000 jokes oh my in God. one day. <laughs> oh my God. What's your... Okay. What Fashion Police joke do you remember? My favorite joke. I got the best response. And it made my husband scream laugh. And he still brings it up all the time. So it's one of my favorite jokes. So Fergie was wearing this yellow dress um, that was all like wrinkled. Like the look of it was supposed to be wrinkled. Right. And it was, and it was yellow. And I said, and so the joke was, I call this a Charlie Sheen dress 
because it's yellow and wrinkly and it comes on women nobody cares about. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite joke. And I, it was one of those jokes that just as soon as I saw it, I was like, boom, wrote it. Didn't have to think about it at all. I just wrote it. Because it, it was all about timing. It was when Charlie Sheen was having all these orgies with porn stars. Right. He had like the two of them and yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, oh, my and, God. Uh, and it was all during winning. You yeah. Know? It was all during Charlie Sheen. So Yeah. And, and Joan would love that. She yeah. would sell it. We could never do that show now. No. The way it was. Everyone's too woke. I know. And she was the only person who could say those things. She was at the time, and now... I mean, when I think about some of the jokes we used to write, I'm a little like, "Mm." Oh, yeah. But it was, you know... But she could say them, and and I don't think there's anyone... I mean, I think we're getting close with, like, Amy Schumer and stuff like that, but I don't think there's anyone who could genuinely say the things that Joan said. No. And get away with that. No. It's over. Yeah. All right. It's so fun talking to you, Todd. Congrats oh my on, God. The, on Thank the you so much for having of, me. Uh, Thank you for coming friend. over. Thank you. It was so fun. Yay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Todd Masterson. Go check out his Instagram feed, Gay Fat Friend. You will be glad you did. Okay, so this happened. Christmas night, uh, a few friends and I went to see Cats at a rowdy screening at the Alamo Draft House in downtown LA. They call it a rowdy screening. So um, we got there. There was a woman dressed in some kind of a cat suit that was very fun. And she did a little intro. Um, You were encouraged to be vocal or whatever within reason. Um, You got a little cat pin as a token of your devotion. And then you watched cats. And I didn't even really feel like yelping or I had no funny quips. I just sort of sat there annoyed that the sham of a show has been in our lives for 40 years. Like it's not, it's literally nonsense. If I heard the word Jellicle one more time, I was going to lose my mind. Um, I did think that the unknowns came off better than the stars. Jennifer Hudson, Jennifer Hudson singing memory sounds like a slam dunk. And boy, it was a snot. There was snot running. It, it, she came in at 11 with the tragedy. Uh, and it was just, I'm glad I saw it that way. I did have fun, but I'm, I feel like we've all been conned by, um, by cats. Conned by cats. There's no story. There's no script or story. People just introducing themselves. Uh, Corden, James Corden and Rebel Wilson bugged. Anyways, I liked the, the the white girl Francesca the the cat Victoria I guess is the name of the character and some of the other little uh, people that you didn't recognize that didn't have big names I thought they they were okay they were fine but um, I did hear from somebody that worked on the set however that it was always a treat when Idris Elba was at work because everybody was in green unitards and he had an anaconda going down the side of his tights that was sizable and exciting. Uh, I don't know what other adjectives would apply, but, you know, I don't think it's a shock. He, he carries himself like that guy. But anyway, he, his performance though was weird. Taylor Swift was weird. Everything was weird. Anyway, um, I don't want to end the year on a, on a sour, sour milk note with cats. But um, I will say this has been uh, a fun year of interviews and 
it's been a it's been a good year. Some things have grown. We're not out of the woods yet in terms of um, building some kind of sustainable life. <laughs> but uh, there were some some good things that happened. We kept moving on. Uh, we had a good time when we could. Uh, thank you for listening today and uh, throughout the year. And uh, here's to a bright, shiny 2020. All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>